Welcome to the Canacuck Podcast. We hope you'll be encouraged to have an I'm Third approach as you navigate family, leadership, and spiritual growth. If you're new to our conversation, welcome. It's so great to have you. Let's jump in. Welcome to the Canacuck Podcast. My name is Shay Robbins. I'm here with my teammate, co-host, and a good friend to all. It's Joe White. Shay, good to be back with you again. Thanks for the privilege. You betcha. As you guys know, we are in the middle. Really, we're not in the middle. We're kind of in the, the beginning of the Cry of the Heart series and could not be more excited about it. Last time, we unpacked the sacred compartment of acceptance. And today, we've got another one for you that is, uh, I think it's going to be extremely practical. Joe, I just want to circle back around. Why is it that the Cry of the Heart message is so important to you? Shay, I'm not a professional counselor, for sure, but I've just gotten into thousands of counseling relationships over the years with uh, students, adults, men, women um, of every age group. And I have found over the decades that every heart is crying. Every heart's crying. As parents, we're not doing a great job of meeting our kids' emotional needs. As spouses, we're not doing a great job of meeting folks' emotional needs. As friends, generally speaking, most students and adults are running around on tanks that are about one-eighth full. And I found in learning how to listen well and how to ask good questions and having empathy, providing warmth for relationships that God can slip into those needs, those heart cries, those sacred compartments of the heart, and can meet the needs that everyone is crying out for. Coach, why don't you touch on those 10 heart cries again? Give us an overview. Yes, Shay, we have those uh, on our message notes, and we encourage you to look at them. But it's like your heart is divided up into 10 pie-shaped compartments, for lack of a better picture. Uh, your heart needs discipline. It needs to know that you're under God's hand of authority. Every heart needs grace, forgiveness. Every God needs protection to know that it's safe. Every heart needs emotional validation to know that your feelings matter. Every heart is crying for understanding to know that you're known. Every heart cries for honor to know that you're highly valued. Every heart cries for affirmation, to know that you're uh, appreciated. Every heart cries for purpose, to know that your life matters. Every heart cries for intimacy, to know that you're loved. And every heart cries for acceptance, to know that you're wanted. So in the last podcast, we talked about acceptance, Coach, and gosh, it was such a powerful conversation. We all understand what it, feels like to to feel left out or to feel alone um and and i just i mean i loved what god did through that conversation and i'm filled with anticipation for what he's got for us today joe what heart cry do you want to take a deep dive on today yeah shay uh today we're going to talk about the need for purpose why my life matters and, and Shay, as we, as we get into this heart cry today, I, I just want to encourage everyone who's listening, whether you're a parent, whether you're single, whether you're newlywed, 
whether in your professional life, whether you're walking with a friend, um, to help a, another significant person in your life walk in emotional security, to help you understand why you act the way you do, why you talk the way you do, why you get angry so easily, why you're so weak towards sin, why you run towards Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat and everything else and TikToking and everything else, you know, how to cure, you know, these 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 wounds that are these insufficiencies in your heart from from absentee parents or from abuse or from or from broken relationships. Purpose, knowing that my life matters, really is central to all of them. When we did the college events over the years, uh, 200, I don't know how many, but we, we talked to 500 or 600,000 college students around across. And I found as the kids would write down, the students would write down their stuff and they would bring it up to the cross and we would nail it to the cross. I found how heavy the cross must have been as Jesus' shoulders literally dislocated from carrying all of the sin of the world. And as the students would write this stuff down on cards and they would bring them up to the to the little platform there and we would nail all those hundreds and hundreds of, of uh, just problems uh, and needs and hurts and brokennesses to the cross. And the students would find forgiveness and grace there at the cross. I would often find suicidal notes. Students who would literally come to the event saying, I came here planning to kill myself today or to kill myself this week. And, but, but at the cross, I found purpose. Tonight, I found a reason for living. I, I looked at some studies this week on suicide, and, and I noticed that about in today's generation of students, about one out of five students had seriously considered suicide the ultimate uh, expression of purposelessness. And I was I was studying about, you know, suicidal notes and things that students were saying on their suicidal notes. And often they would say, I can't find my place or my purpose. Or they would say, I'm just no good. My life has no purpose. It's almost that suicidal notes have those things in common. I think that's why our dear friend Michael W. Smith's song, Place in This World, years ago was the longest playing number one pop song in America's history because everybody is looking for their place in this world. Um, but feeling a sense of purpose gets a person out of bed in the morning. Feeling a sense of purpose motivates good study habits. Feeling a sense of purpose motivates good work ethic and good time management skills. Feeling a sense of purpose provides motivation to live free from toxic habits and toxic addictions. Feeling a sense of purpose helps keeps me from getting emotionally stuck. You know, most of the people that I counsel are just stuck. They just can't move out of their feelings of purposelessness in their life. Joe, I'm sitting here actively reflecting on my teenage years and college. And if I'm honest with myself, you know, let's take college, for example, like you could look at my college career and you could say, okay, my purpose was, 
to get an education so I could get a job. That's somewhat noble. But in reality, like if I'm totally honest with myself, my purpose each day was to just feel good. Like I just wanted to wake up and I just wanted to feel good. And so everything that I did, going to class, like and getting an education, like that was just almost in the way. I was just kind of managing that because it didn't feel that good to go to class and it didn't feel that good to study. But I mean, that, that is how simplistic my thinking was. I, I didn't have any greater purpose. And, and I know I've got so many friends and people around town that, that I know, like they live to just get over with the day so that they can crack open a six pack and relax. Like they're literally living to get to that point of the day. And, and I can relate with that. Like I get that. That's where I spent a good chunk of my life. What do you see as the effects of purposelessness? that they have on, you know, on students' lives, on, on adults' lives. How do you see it? Yeah, Shay, in, in this generation uh, that you and I are privileged to work with, uh, especially the student generation, it's like the world is a great big spinning ball. And it's spinning so fast and so out of control. And, and everywhere you look, it seems like, you know, People are either, you know, their purpose is to get a whole string of peeps on their, you know, on their like series, on their, you know, Instagram posts or, or whatever, or, 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 or their purpose, as you say, is just to, is just to make a friend, find one person who really likes me. If I can get a girlfriend, if I can get a guy friend, if I can get into a sexual relationship, if, if I can just, if I can just make it through the day, as you say. Um, it's like this, this ball, this big world is spinning so fast. I can't get my feet on it. You know, my parents have got some dough and, and my parents seem to, you know, at least they've got each other, but, but I can't find a decent relationship that lasts. And, and I, you know, how can I ever get a job and, and make enough dough to build a house? It, it just looks too big and too foreboding. So the best thing I can do is just get a joint. If I can just get another vape and just make it to the school parking lot so I can get another vape and just sort of just just get high and just chill a little bit. You know, that word chill is used like the favorite word in, you know, students' vocabulary today. They use it as much as the. <laughs> the and chill. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. How do you like that dude? Man, he's pretty chill. And so if I can just chill and, and let the world spin by, you know, out of control without me, then I'll probably be okay and make it through the day. It's a really sad place to be, Shay, mm. because I said when a person does find their purpose, and we're going to get to that in a minute, because there is incredible hope behind yes. each of the, these voids that we found in our counseling over the years. There's incredible hope, and it's coming up. And when that void is filled— the eyes begin to sparkle. In fact, Shay, I've seen it in simple conversations. Call it counseling, call it listening, call it whatever you want to find it. But I can see young people and adults find hope almost as quick as you can, you know, snap your finger. As they transfer their lack of purposelessness to that individual's finding that their life really does matter. They really do have a purpose that's bigger than themselves, bigger than their iPhone. I hope we get there in just a few minutes together with everyone who's listening. Let's go there. 
Joe, how's a parent, a friend, a manager, a coach build a sense of purpose into somebody? What do you do? Words are so incredibly powerful. People talk about powerlifting and bodybuilding and uh, CrossFit, <laughs> and all those are probably okay. <laughs> but the use of words is the greatest powerlifting in the world. And I can powerlift with my son every day. I can power lift with my best friend every day as I look for true, honest successes in that person's life. From the tiniest little success, like a smile. I love that smile. I had one of the greatest times leading a Muslim guy to Christ, and it all started off, dude, you've got a great smile. <laughs> and our relationship began because no one had probably ever told him that before. Uh, you know what? I, buddy, I can see, I can see, I can really see Christ in you when you do that. You know, we have this deal at our at our teenage camps that Shay and I have the privilege of serving at, where uh, where we 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 tell our counselors, we tell ourselves, we're going to believe in that child till they believe in themselves. We're going to speak words of purpose into that young man's life, as angry as he is, as purposeless as his little drug filled life is. As purposeless as is, is, you know, he's lost in a high school of 4,000 people. But we're going to speak purpose into that young man's life or that young woman's life until they believe purpose in themselves. I, you know, I, I love to look into a young man's life and go, dude, I want you to know I believe in you. And their eyes look at you like you're speaking a foreign language. I remember writing a letter to a to a teenage girl who'd written me a letter sharing all of her problems with me. And I just wrote down, I just said, Amber, I just want you to know I believe in you. She wrote back probably on a tear-stained letter and said, no one's ever told me that before. And so as I say things that believe in that person, and then, oh my goodness, my daddy was so great at this. I remember my daddy told me one time, he said, son, you're only limited by your energy and your imagination. Oh, Shay, I felt like I could literally tear down the walls of the world when he said that. My daddy would give me trust. When I, whenever it was time to go buy, you know, a, a hamburger or whatever, he would hand me his billfold. I knew what he was doing. He was saying, I trust you with my billfold. And I'd pull out a couple of bucks and I'd go buy the hamburger or whatever. You know, when a parent says to a child, I want to tell you something, buddy. I will trust you until you give me reason not to. You can assume that I trust you. And then if your child gives you a reason not to, it's okay to say, hey, trust is built over a long period of time and you've broken my trust. It's going to come back again, but you're going to have to build it back over a long period of time. I remember one time one of my children made a really stupid mistake. And my wife said to that child, you've broken my trust. And because she trusted that child so thoroughly and she had demonstrated trust so thoroughly, it was, the, it was literally the watershed of that child's life. From that moment, that child of mine began to climb the, the, the precious ladder of fulfillment and purpose in his life. Because from that moment, he set out to regain his mother's trust. So when we give our children trust, it is powerful parents in their life. 
Hey listeners, Shay Robbins here. If you're enjoying the podcast, we'd like to personally ask you to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. With your help, we can continue to reach more listeners. We're excited to hear from you. Please send questions to our team for a special audience Q&A recording in the future. Additionally, we're also interested to hear your suggestions for guests and topics. Send your questions and suggestions to podcast at canacuck.com. And now back to the show. Joe, I was just thinking about the purpose-driven life. So Rick Warren's famous book, I looked it up. It says that it sold more than 35 million copies. It's one of the best-selling nonfiction books in history. Why? Why do you think that is? You say this, this subject we're talking about today is so tender and it's so central to the heart of every person listening. As you pointed out a minute ago, when I find my purpose, when I find my place in this world, bigger than making a friend, bigger than starting on a football team, bigger than having 17-inch biceps, bigger than getting into a sexual relationship, bigger than having 59,000 likes on my iPhone, my life takes on a a journey, an adventure. And, and as we've talked before, even when tragedy comes into your life and even when there's incredible brokenness and, you know, chopping off my legs and doing all these crazy things that, you know, I still wake up with a twinkle in my eyes because there's a purpose in my life. Joe, I hear you describing a transcendent purpose. So in high school, probably my biggest purpose was playing time on the football field. And my senior year, I sat the bench. And that that purpose, that driving force in my life was absolutely crushed. And so my heart and direction and vision was with it. There's many people out there that are pursuing a specific relationship and they've taken all their chips and they've gone all in and that relationship breaks and their heart, their life is shattered. There's many that are pursuing financial gain right now. Many of the markets are going crazy and there are men and women that are betting the farm. They're going to get rich this fall in the fourth quarter. And when the market surprises us like it always does, their dreams are going to be shattered. Those purposes are all temporary. How do we find a transcendent purpose? Yeah, Shay, the, the funniest thing about discipling men and, and being in the middle of, of groups, and I, I guess I'm I'm so thankful that, you know, everybody's got some change in their pockets. Everybody's got some spare time. You can go, you know, spend it in front of the TV set or spend it on iPhone chat or whatever. But but we choose to spend our, our time with different discipleship groups, different men that we get to meet with. I've got about six groups that I, I get a chance to, to meet with. Of all the things that are cool about being in these discipleship relationships with groups of guys is that we get a chance to discover God's purpose for our life. I'm in a group of young athletes, one of the groups. And, um, and you know, all of our athletes that I get to study with, you know, we start off that our purpose is to make all state, our purpose is to get a college scholarship, our purpose is to start or whatever. 
And then, as you say, there's there's ACLs, there's MCLs, there's injuries. There's you know somebody comes along who's who's a freshman. He happens to be better than I am at my position. But as we get, as you say, this this transition. What do you call this purpose, Shay? Transcendent. Yeah. As we, <laughs> but as we but but it's through discipleship we get into this transcendent purpose that you're talking about, where God is my purpose in life. I know I've got this one young athlete on a study that I'm doing. He's the number one most sought after quarterback in America, and he and he and he threw out his shoulder the other day, and so he begins to set the bench for weeks. He never stops smiling because his purpose is to lead his high school to Jesus. And his attitude never changed. In fact, the kid behind him, he began to start and actually become very successful. He became thrilled for the kid. His future's secure. He's got his college scholarship. He's going where he wants to go. But his purpose wasn't to start or get a college scholarship. His purpose was to use his platform of football to lead his team and his school to Christ. I probably, Shay, received my greatest teaching on this from an old speaking buddy named, named Steve Farrar, who became a dear friend, still is today. And I remember Steve teaching about my God purpose. Oh, Shay, it was like opening a great picture window to, to my heart and to the heart of others. When, when Steve taught out of Ephesians 2.10, where God says through the Apostle Paul that we are God's workmanship. And Steve had gone back and did a study on that word workmanship, and he found it came from the Greek word poema, P-O-E-M-A, poema. Well, I love to write poems. And I, and I notice as a poet that, as Steve said, that every word doesn't rhyme, but there's always a rhyme coming. And if I think of myself at age 16 or 23 or 35, if I think of myself as a parent or a child, whatever age you fit into, that you're God's poem. That's really cool to know that your life is God's poetry, that he's writing his greatest poem. We actually know from studying the cosmos that God created the planet so he could be your dad. It's just wild that God created the whole thing. So he could be your dad, he'd be your father. And he writes this amazing poem, even through tragedy, even through suffering, even through loss. It ain't rhyming today, but the rhyme's coming. Sometimes you or I will lay in the bed of pain and sadness and brokenness and loss, but I know the rhyme's coming. You know, your dad's being hurtful, your mom's being hurtful, your friends are being hurtful. As Shay said, what you put your chips on has fallen apart and your chips have fallen through the crack. The rhyme's coming. If your purpose becomes Jesus, living for Jesus, going to heaven when you die, and as my buddy Josh McDowell says, but taking as many people with you in the hospital room, taking the nurses with you, taking the doctors with you, in the hospital room of brokenness, taking other broken people to heaven with you, then Shay, it's like, you know, the rainiest, cloudiest, foggiest, most painful day. It takes on the greatest purpose because there's somebody else out there in the rain and the cloud and the fogs with you that you can bring to the sunshine. The sunshine's coming. The dark cloud of depression is moving. 
And in that dark cloud, there's somebody with you, beside you, who you get to take out of the cloud and into the sunshine of Jesus Christ. That life never is a life without purpose. Colossians 3.17, whatever you do in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. If that's our purpose, okay, a transcendent purpose that goes before us in all things, how do we get our motors running? How do we practically get started? Because sometimes, Coach, that's the hardest thing, is breaking out of habits of, of apathy or fear or whatever it might be that's holding us back. Where do we start? Yeah, fortunately, Shay, the solution is not rocket science. There's nothing that God says or does that takes a rocket scientist to get started. Jesus was the God of simple things. He would say things like, do the little things well. And if you do the little things well, then I'm going to bless you with bigger things. So when you wake up in the morning, make your bed. Just, just pull the covers up. Just look around you and pick up the stuff off the floor. And by the way, we all know this is not only a problem for little kids. This is a problem for grown little kids like me. <laughs> and when you walk out of your bedroom, you look back and you go, wow, I actually was able to take my clothes. I, I picked up some dirty clothes off the floor this morning. Well, I, you know, I'm 73. I should be excited about bigger things than that. Hey, but, but you know what that is? It's a little momentum. <laughs> You got a little momentum for your day. <laughs> a little momentum. And besides that, my wife will like me more if I do that. Hey, that's more momentum. <laughs> just do every day. For example, if you're married out there, j just a small goal. Do something kind for your spouse every day. That'd be huge. Write that down. Just do something kind for your wife every day. You will be shocked in 365 days. You've done 365 really cool things for the person that you love. Fill in the blanks. Do something kind for your friend every day. Do something kind for your mom every day. Do something kind for your dad every day. Another one, finish what you start. If you're going to start a paper, finish it. If you're going to start a love letter, finish it. If you're going to start a little job, you know, making a little art project, go ahead and finish the painting. And then, and, and then Shay, just, just become grateful you just become thankful today for, for, what, for the little things you have. I read a sign one time in a church on a pastor's bulletin board, and it said, if I only have tomorrow what I'm thankful for today, what will I have tomorrow to live with? It's amazing how gratitude—I read a part of a book by Doc Childress called The Heart Math Solution. It talks about how important the heart is to a person. And it says the best way to build your heart is just to be grateful. Isn't that crazy? Take a small verse. Take Ephesians 2.10 and memorize it today. And let God's word melt into that cavity of purposelessness in your heart. Romans 8.28, God calls all things to work together for good to those who love God. Memorize that. Think about it today over and over again. And then spend just a little less money on me today and spend it on somebody else. You know, you know, sponsoring a poor person with compassion, sponsoring a starving child with food for the hungry. It's, it's huge to know that there's one child in this world that for a Coca-Cola a day, a, a, a Dr. Pepper a day, you can actually feed that child 
every day. And then I call them BAMS goals, B-A-M-S goals. Set a BAMS goal, just small or big for yourself. A BAMS goal is believable, it's achievable, it's measurable, and it's scriptural. Setting a goal to memorize a book in the Bible or even a chapter in the Bible in the next year and, and, then, and then tell a buddy about it. This is, this is big stuff, folks. When God's Word is so in your heart day and night that you're thinking about it day and night, it becomes the center of your purpose-driven life. And then complete that chapter. Think about it day and night. And then call your buddy up. Set a goal that's achievable. And go after it and accomplish it. And your purposefulness will begin to bloom in the garden like a spring flower. Joe, I'm going to throw one more on there. And it kind of applies to everything you just said. But simply just commit. The fear of missing out has too many people waiting on the sidelines. They're waiting for a better opportunity. And honestly, that's just so sad because you miss out on the opportunity to live life. And so make a decision, commit, and start living life for the Lord. Um, Joe, what's your final charge? How would you encourage folks out there today to live their life in a purposeful way? Years ago, I read an article, and I wish I could tell you who wrote it, Shay, but it said, and I thought about it many times since, very few people can remember the last 10 World Series winners or the last 10 runner-ups to the Super Bowl or the last five Academy Award winners or the last three Best Picture winners, but everyone can remember the coach, the teacher, the friend who believed in you. We can all remember that person, the first guy who made you feel like your life mattered. I, I, I'm fortunate there's several in my life, and they're, they're on what I call my Mount Rushmore. There's about 10 faces carved on the mountain of my mind of 10 dear people who believed in me, even when I didn't believe in myself. And Shay, I don't know a better way to find purpose in your life to build, than to build purpose in the life of others. It's amazing how true Scripture is. It is in giving that we receive. The more you give, the more it runs over the top. As soon as you turn off this podcast, write a letter. Go ahead, get a pen and a piece of paper and write a letter. Call one of your old school teachers. And, and, and tell that t school teacher how grateful you are for what that school teacher found in you when you were in seventh grade or eighth grade. Text an old coach. Tell your mom or your dad, maybe you haven't done this in a while, maybe never, that you forgive them and that you love them. And now you realize they were doing the best they could, even though maybe you felt like you got handed a handful of twos and threes. And as you build purpose into somebody else, again, watch out. Your sense of purpose will take on a brand new meaning. I remember one young man was given $20, a kid who, who dealt with drugs and who dealt with purposelessness his whole life. And a person challenged him, go do something for somebody else. He took his 20 bucks and he went and bought peanut butter and bread. 
and he made peanut butter sandwiches. And he started traveling from homeless person to homeless person. And he fed peanut butter sandwiches to those who were hungry around town. Changed his life with 20 bucks. Because as he encouraged others, God encouraged him. Thank you to our audience for sharing your time with us today. We hope today's conversation serves to fuel your I'm Third approach to faith and family. And with that, we'd love to pray for you. Lord Jesus, we just pray um, that today the cry of our heart would be met with a great purpose, a transcendent purpose that honors and glorifies you. I want to pray, God, that you'd fill us with joy as we set out to serve you, Lord, in all that we do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We hope today's conversation left you encouraged, strengthened, and empowered. If you haven't had a chance, please subscribe to our podcast today to stay up to date with the latest episodes. If this podcast has helped you in any way, please consider rating us, writing a review, or sharing it with others so we can continue to build you up with an I'm Third approach to family, leadership, and spiritual growth. For more information about the podcast, visit canacuckpodcast.com. And for more information about Canacuck, you can visit canacuck.com. Mm-hmm.